What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you. Check out the link in the episode notes. I also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it'll give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes. Clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast podcast check out the monthly playlist that i've been dropping every first of the month those are available on apple and spotify pretty spread out genre wise and uh, you can find the links for those in the episode notes hope everybody is doing well out there portland oregon has experienced its heaviest heat wave of the summer and probably on record as some of the hottest days in the city's history. So I've been laying low trying to hide in the air conditioning and getting prepped to leave on tour with High Pulp for a majority of September. Still winding down from the Pickathon Music Festival experience in last week's podcast with They Hate Change, a rap duo from Tampa Bay, Florida. If you haven't checked that episode out yet, please do. One of my favorite chats of the year. Those guys were so much fun to hang out with. And we are keeping it hip hop this week as well. We've got a return guest in Northern Draw, a Portland-based music producer, rapper, DJ, visual artist, skateboarder, and event host and curator. Kip really does it all. If you know about Portland's monthly showcase and record label called Thirsty City, Kip, a.k.a. Northern Draw, 
is the one that founded that. Kip was uh, on the podcast not too long ago, episode 350. Definitely one that will help provide some context for Northern Draw's music and life background. And uh, we talked about him growing up in Portland, skating, living abroad, starting Thirsty City and everything in between. It was uh, a really great chat, but he reached out to me recently to let me know that he had a new project dropping with Munich, Germany's own born, raised and based rapper Leo Lex. And that Leo was uh, coming through Portland for a few days and brought up the idea of us all jumping on the mics together. And I'm glad he did because I feel like through Northern Draw and our mutual homies, Dusty Fox and Alex Meltzer, who are both past guests of the podcast, I've been hearing Leo's name now for several years. So on this episode, we've also got new guests to the cast from Munich, Germany, Leo Lex. And I got to see the album release show for their new project, Crow Breath the night before we did this podcast so it was really dope to see leo perform before chatting dude is just a stone cold killer on the mic and i really enjoyed getting the opportunity to get to know him and talk to him about his uh, music background as well as talk with them collectively about making this crow breath record over the last six years or so and how they've maintained this international friendship and the presence of one another in each other's lives so another international milestone for the cast leo lex is the first german born and raised artist on the podcast so that is very cool to continue to get to chat with artists from all over the world so shout out to northern draw for helping make that happen and crow breath is out september 15th and you're going to get a preview of some of the tracks from that record throughout the conversation so if you dig what you hear check out the links in the episode notes follow both of these dudes and pre-save the album on the dsps get a seven inch from the thirsty city band camp and if you're in the midwest northeast part of the united states tap in with the high pulp tour dates if you want to come say hi to me and catch some experimental jazz throughout the month of september i got all the links for both these guys in the episode notes so uh tap in with those and with that we are going to get into episode 373 with leo lex and northern draw and to kick off the episode i want to play my favorite instrumental track from the crow breath record it's called ofo juice let's do the damn thing side gun i'm like yeah instead of doing the, the doo, 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 i gotta think of something different i'm like i gotta do something like weird so i'm just gonna say boom 
bingo. So every time we were practicing, I would say bingo and just make fucking Leo crack up super hard. So last night at the show, I'm like, watch this, I'm gonna make a mess up right out the gate. First verse, bingo. Got him. And he got he got me too. Yeah, he got me good. But I I was that that's what we were practicing. That I can still rap while he says bingo, and so it worked out. He mastered. He he didn't even notice me the rest of the time. I was saying bingo. How to master the craft of rapping while your friend is trying to distract you? Exactly. (laughs) Trying to self sabotage the set the whole time. Exactly. It's like the uh, when people are shooting free throws in the NBA games, and everybody's behind the the backboard, fucking trying to wave them out. Yeah. You know, I, am, I am rocking uh, a Blazer jersey today, so go the Blazers. The Brandon Roy jersey. Um, the Roy. Roy was a very, uh, you know, strategical player. He was very good, but suffered the same tragedy as many uh, point guards, I feel like, in uh, the Blazers' history of being the only person that's really carrying the team. I, I can't say that, but you know what I'm saying? I think we just put so much focus on our point guard and then, you know, Damian Lillard, for example. <laughs> this is a music podcast. Nobody not, cares about this in no. Munich. <laughs> no. you, actually, they, they actually, they got some ballers out there. They're actually really into basketball in Munich. They have a squad, the FC Bayern. Bayern Munich, the Bayern. soccer team. They also have a pretty big basketball oh, really? team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I fuck around with Bayern Munich and FIFA. Oh, yeah. You know, I use them sometimes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're, they're, they're the squad. They're, they're really good. They're quick. If you yeah. want to know, if I can tell your listeners about this, this is really funny. So Munich, there's two different kinds of, uh, there's two different teams. There's like the main Premier League, which is FC Bayern, you know, the big stadium. And yeah. then they have like a AAA, like baseball team or something like that, right? Called um, Oxenzexig, Oxenzexig, 1860, yeah. which is like, you know, the lower like blue collar stuff. I used to live across the street from the stadium, but there's actually huge beef between the fans, right? And there's even more so there's graffiti beef. So like there's like the, uh, the FC Bay will go up and like do all these like chrome tags around the, the town. Was it TSV, right? TSV is, yeah, the, is, the, is, the, is the 1860. And they'll literally like go into the forest on the weekends and like fight each other. And the teams will like fund them and buy them graf- uh, like uh, spray paint to go bomb the city before matches. And if they get arrested, <laughs> then they'll like, they'll, they'll pay for their lawyers and stuff. What the fuck? It's a whole nother level. It's so funny. That's insane. You, you will just constantly see pieces being painted over, but it's only between the different fan bases. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. So also a funny, funny story. So like here before moving to Munich, I bought a, a Bayern jersey that was actually blue. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm repping Munich. People know Munich in the world. You know, FC Bayern, you know, no one knows 1860, right? So I go over there and my friend's DJing at some like outdoor bar for a, a party. And I, I show up with that Bayern jersey on. He's like, hey, man, you got to maybe go home and get a different jersey. This is 1860 bar. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I think I'm good. And then someone else comes up. like, hey, man. You better be careful. You better like, Serious. this is a hooligan bar for the, uh, the other team. That's like the stadium's right down the street. So I just took like a sticker and wrote 1860 on it and like put it over the logo of the Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a music video shoot for a friend's group and um, Northern Draw was in it as well. So wait, wait, and, so wait, one second, pause that. So then what I did was like, okay, okay, I, I can't wear the Bayern jersey. So I bought the 1860 jersey to be, you know, legit with, with the homies in the hood, you know? And then we filmed this video and then one of the guys, he didn't say it directly to, to Kip or us, but he wasn't comfortable being in a video with somebody wearing the, the 1860 team because he knows fans from the other team and was worried that he might get beaten up <laughs> oh if he's in a video. With so, so the guy dipped out of the video because I was wearing the 1860 jersey. No, he was still in it, but he I was think we're, we're, okay. we're all being censored, but they were going to censor the jersey as well. So the guy doesn't get... <laughs> that guy didn't share that video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to be associated so, with it. The football beef is real out there in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I'm stoked to uh, 
hang out with y'all and talk about this crow breath album that's been uh seems like it's been in the making for a really long time been percolating i just want to preface this by by saying that if you want the full rundown on on kip the northern draw you know background and whatnot dig into episode 350 because i don't think that we're gonna go too far in depth and backtrack perfect through your music background but i'm you know stoked that you're here to help like facilitate this conversation with leo Lex and uh, talk about this record that y'all made together. I got to give you a shout out. Thank you for having me on the thir- uh, the 350 episode. I uh, got a lot of feedback. People liked it. And also congratulations on the write-up of your wonderful podcast. You Thanks, know? man. Uh, kudos to uh, Dan here. Nice to get some uh, some love for the cast. And uh, I also heard very good things from from people that tuned into episode 350 with you. You know, Nice, thanks. You're, uh, you're a legend of this this Portland music scene, it seems. so. Uh, their, their words, not mine. <laughs> actually, that's not true. I do, I do actually say it in the, in the crowd. <laughs> 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 oh my god that's bad that, that we're going for braggadocio on that track so i'm like okay I, I, did, I did a rhyme bin i said i said something about portland legend so yeah <laughs> but uh yeah leo just talk to me you know let's lay some foundation for for your music background sure. talk to me about where you come from and like your entry point into making music or just becoming like a, a heavy fan of music. Yeah, sure. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The whole time it's going to be getting into serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, let's see. So I'm, I'm from Munich. I'm from Munich, Germany. And I think originally I got into rap early on through my older brother with like Beastie Boys, De La Soul and stuff he listened to. Okay. And so I started going to any type of rap show that was out in the city, I think when I was 15, 16. But I didn't really get into rapping right away. Maybe around 2006, I um, I lived in Milwaukee for four years. Actually, I went to a college there. In Wisconsin? In Wisconsin, yeah. Okay, what, what college did you go to there? Uh, UWM. All right. Yeah, yeah. That was a good experience, and it actually gave me time away from my... Um, yeah, from my circle of friends to be kind of, what am I going to do by myself? And yeah. I started making beats and writing a lot more. And um, then actually, I think when I really got into it was uh, 2009 when I met Kip uh, in Portland. Because I was so inspired by the city and seeing what he does. And he was just rapping, throwing events and uh, dancing, painting and I was really inspired by that and thought, okay, I'm going to take this rap thing serious now too. So live live by the elements. And then, uh, he reached out soon after that and I was featured on his album after that, right? The two tracks. So I think like, um, in 2010 I started, that's when I uh, went back to Munich after I studied in Milwaukee and I started networking and throwing my own events. Started really going hard on it. Right. And really that was like my main thing outside of work. I would just, write and network hang out with people and yeah it really became like yeah my my main thing that i would do yeah so so when you were growing up it was mostly rap hip-hop music that you were listening to yeah yeah and i i mean i i had a mpc 500 i was messing around a little bit with making beats turntables i've collected records i like graffiti i just yeah. like the the full thing the whole culture of it I, I loved it yeah yeah the album that was featured on you produced all that too with the uh, uh right npc 500 right right i used to do that but then i i realized at some point there's other people that can do it way better and i'll just focus on the rapping and 
writing yeah know? do you think it was still important for you to like get some understanding of of learning how to make beats though to oh, apply to the the craft definitely for sure and uh, just the whole sampling thing and like understanding there's so much more music than rap um and now i mean i wouldn't say i only listen to rap music i listen to all music yeah and uh really got me interested in the whole yeah in, in music as a whole yeah i yeah. think also you being international that mpc 500 is interesting because it's so compact for people to know about samplers you can literally just like fit it in your backpack and like go make a beat wherever right this yeah. is before they had like koala and stuff on your phone where you could make a beat like on your phone but yeah <laughs> probably before or starting when, when did smartphones start I don't know. 2010? Yeah, around then? 20, this, 2009? We're, we're saying this cusp of smartphones, you know? Yeah, somewhere around there. No. Leo had just got a smartphone, I think, yeah, last I, week. I just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I got my first smartphone last year. They were not accessible. In the <laughs> yeah, they have a really slow distribution over there. <laughs> we just got electricity over there, so. Leo, yeah. when you were growing up, were you exclusively like listening to stuff not exclusively but were you like predominantly listening to stuff that was coming from europe or was it a lot of stuff from the states or was it like a mix it was um when i got into it it was mainly u.s rap okay. even though at that point so that must have been around like 98 99 when i really started trying to dig for my own like besides what my brother listened to yeah and I mean, at that point, it was all U.S. stuff that I that I liked, um, a little bit of French rap as well. Yeah, and so you got the good French rap on lock. Right. I had like when I was 16, I went to France for like a two-week um, exchange thing, and I got a lot of music from my host brother back then. Okay. So I really enjoyed that as well. But at that point, there were already a bunch of German crews. But I, I just, I, I like the U.S. rap more. And I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics that much at that point. It was just that energy and the flow. Can, and, I, can I cut in here, though? Yeah. About this? But what was that one album that you hit me to? There was like the es Esperanto rap album or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a group called Freundeskreis, a German German group. They they did an album, I think, in 99 that was all about like Esperanto. This Do you know about this? No. Esperanto was like an attempt to make a worldwide language that was accessible for everyone. So in Europe, they made Esperanto, which is a combination of a bunch of different European languages. Okay. And I think there's still some plaques and stuff written in Esperanto over there. And I think this rap group out of Germany made a whole album in Esperanto or something. Well, not or, not in the language, but they were. They, it was the idea of like finding this universal right. they language. Have, they and do different languages, but they call themselves. They call the album Esperanto, right? Right. That's what. Yeah. But yeah, I was. I I didn't really care about the lyrics that much yeah. at that at that point. I I also really like UK rap. I still like. I I listen to Spanish rap, French rap. I don't necessarily need to understand the lyrics to yeah, feel man. it. Yeah. Yo, plug moment. Our album, Crow Breath. It is Northern Draw featuring Leo Lex. It's a lot of American English with featuring German verses, but we also got people rapping in Spanish, cats from the UK, um, you know, uh, uh, cats from America. So it's a big kind of like diverse roster of, of languages as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. I was right. checking out your International Waters record too. And it's oh, like, yeah. it's so cool that like that record is like a representation of that. I feel like too, where from track to track, you're just like, you're getting so many different languages thrown at you. Yeah. Which I think adds like such a cool dynamic. Like I'm really glad that I was at the release show last night at the Good Foot. Just because, like, to see it live is always going to provide a different sort of context for, you know, right. just hearing a record. But I think it just, like, makes it so engaging 
uh, from like an audience perspective to like be bouncing in and out mm. of different languages and right. it like gives you such like a you know a clear contrast of like how different the languages are side mm. by side like and flow and, styles and yeah stuff like that, and just definitely. like how you know how it lends itself to like the the cadence and the delivery and whatnot yeah rhyme structures yeah i think that was one thing i was really inspired by but uh that's difficult living in america i feel like that people in america are not as accepting of of uh you know different lyrical languages you know yeah. rhyming in other languages uh i mean people are but i think in europe there's just so much more uh, diversity of language and all the, the different countries are so close that they have like a um cross-pollination of of different like cultures like that right. and so they're a lot more accepting like if you go out to germany and rap on english people can be like stoked on it you know but then i feel like it's a lot harder to win over that crowd in america yeah i'm very jealous of that uh <laughs> i don't know just that that's like a part of different countries culture it's like how how old are you when you started learning le learning english um i was in fifth grade so i think 11 okay yeah leo speaks baller english apparently <laughs> Some, somebody told me here in portland <laughs> that you speak Yo, baller you speak baller english dog <laughs> damn bro your duolingo skills are off the chain <laughs> so like when you were listening to those like those rap records early on you you pretty much like you could understand for the most part what they were talking about or you, like do you feel like that like really helped you even like learn english even more because you were listening to so much music from the the states probably from like a phonetic uh um like i, I could i could understand how how you pronounce it and but i would not like get the lyrics of a song and then try to translate them yeah like that's why like it's funny going back now listening to 90s records and being like oh my god like what did i, <laughs> what did I listen to all the time but it's probably for the best that i didn't i mean i just <laughs> no i i didn't i i know other friends of mine that would like of their favorite groups they will get all the lyrics and they but i i just i don't know i would listen to like a big variety but really the the lyrics were not that important at first for me yeah. yeah i think that's like also in our homie fox brought it up last night during the show but one of the things i love like listening to international music or like listening to music where i don't understand the language is that that vocal just becomes like another instrument right yeah on the record which yeah. i think if, is I, if i can actually paraphrase uh, dusty correctly because i thought it was very beautiful we were we did a tour last year in germany we did three shows and we did a show in berlin we all took some acid and then dusty had this epiphany was like damn leo lex is kind of like the Jimi hendrix playing guitar on this on this verse right now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is it's, it's like cadence you know like you're playing you're playing the song like a rhythm using your voice as a as a as a, as a instrument so. absolutely mm -hmm. i think even just like watching you last night is like i cannot understand anything mm -hmm. that you're you're talking about but i know that you're a fucking good rapper <laughs> like, well thank I, you like thank you. you can just you can feel it you know mm -hmm. and you can you can hear that you're in that pocket and you can hear you making the the pocket work for you and just like your cadence with and delivery and everything so it was just like a lot of fun to get to experience that cool live and then listen to the records and cool thanks for that feedback yeah Leo Lex, a.k.a. the Jimi Hendrix on the solos of the rap game. <laughs> Do you feel like you're, is there any different approach or like mentality for you? Like last night at the Goodfoot, you had to have known that most people are not going to understand what you're talking about. Like, does that feel any different to you in the, in the moment of performance or? It does feel in a way because I'm, when, even when I perform in Germany, I, 
I usually, especially my my group that I perform with, we're really bad at speaking between the tracks. <laughs> we kind of let our lyrics like talk for ourselves. <laughs> Which is really like S quiet. side note. Side note: Sailor Nui is like the the Wu Tang of Munich. There's like, <laughs> there's like seven members and stuff like that. Yeah. L1 is the Abbott. He's the RZA. Produces. <laughs> he actually yeah. he actually mixed and mastered our our album. Yeah. No, but um, in so I let the I let the lyrics speak for itself, kind of. So being in that situation where I know nobody's gonna understand it, it, it's a little strange. But at the same time, like I. I I know it's going to be like, I can just bring the energy and people yeah. will feel it or not. But like, I know people can, can hear if like the, the line is done correctly or not. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like, you know, For even sure. if they don't understand. The I got I also got a preference list. I picked Leo up like a little over a week ago and he just uh, opened up for one, like the bigger known groups in, in Munich rap or the rap scene. And it opened for like a thousand person show, 700,000 people. And they were just kind of like playing and releasing an album they worked on for 10 years with the Veltunto gang, a bunch of yeah. our homies got on the plane, came over here and had to learn a new set for this other rap album, like right <laughs> off the plane. So we built that set <laughs> in a week, you know, and there was a lot of like, okay, we got to put a beat here to space it out, to bring up this person that's featured. I don't want to do, do this song in German. And this one, is this too much German? Should we like put in another point here where we kind of both have the English verses to bring people back in and. We, we thought about, you know, that aspect yeah. last night. But, you know, like I, um, I had people say before, you know, like, oh, nobody's going to understand. It doesn't matter if you mess up your lyrics. But like, I, I know like but there I will care. be, yeah, no, but there will be a little pause. And then if I like freestyle the rest of the verse, it's going to be different than when everything's just on point. And, you know, like, so I, I still didn't want to mess up. Like, it was not like, oh, I can just do whatever on stage. I yeah. still want to perform it exactly how I would do in Germany. As I think well. we also for last night's performance, we had a lot of features. Uh, some, a lot of the opening acts were featured on the album and there was a really like very minuscule rehearsal we just kind of told people hey you got your bar that you got your bars that you were featured on the album we're gonna invite you up on stage like yep got it yeah <laughs> and it all just kind of went smoothly we're like okay cool well, that was amazing it was the hail mary <laughs> the hail mary performance it went off well <laughs> kip did you, you you said that like when you were out in germany and performing shows there's obviously more people that understand english out there True. But I, I believe that English is the, the most widely spoken second language. So people that weren't learn a sure. second language, I think English is the number one language for that. So you didn't notice like the same sort of difference then as far as like what as Leo's I was experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. here. As I, I mean, I don't know. It's, I think that people were definitely accepting in Portland, you know, but I, I think, uh, you know, I think as a broad statement, you know, as, uh, I think Germany in general is just a multicultural society with a lot of people coming in and out of there. So they're used to different uh, performers or, or an example. We have a friend that's featured on the album um, all of a sudden up in, in, in London, you know, and London's so diverse and with so many different kinds of music genres and people and, you know, Leia went up with his crew with like Veltunto gang and some people from Sailor Nui and they just did like a whole fucking 30 minute rap set in this little like chip shop and yeah. everyone like loved it, you know, yeah. it's like, I feel like you did that here. If you did like a whole hour, 30 minutes to an hour, German people are going to like, they're going to fade real quick, you know? Yeah, for sure. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I think people, well, I, I do a lot of different disciplines. You know, I do the beats and then I do DJing and stuff like that. And uh, I was always supporting uh, the German rap group. So I was kind of like the token in some ways of, I might say like, they're like, okay, we're going to bring up our American rapper and do some features. And then people are like, oh shit, where's this American come from? <laughs> we're at a squat in the middle of Switzerland. It's been around for decades and we're playing a punk festival on Sunday at two in the morning. And this American comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true story. 
so Leo, like after you left the the States after going to Milwaukee, yeah, you went back to Munich. What did it look like developing your your rap skills back there? And like, what was the Munich rap hip hop scene like at that time? Well, I think I guess one thing to mention, um, it's kind of like the Munich scene is always kind of like left out of the German scene because we're so far south. So I think a lot of like uh, bookers uh, won't really book any acts from from the south because up north Berlin, you got Hamburg, Leipzig, everything's really close by. So to make a com to make a comparison between like Germany and America, how people consider like the south in America like Texas and stuff like that. It's kind of like how the same what people view Bavaria and Germany, like, oh, you're from the South and they have like certain kind of connotations or like judgments based on that. Okay. Right. So there, a lot of people don't pay attention to the scene in Munich, but it's been like, it's been a pretty big city. Like the first train was painted in, in Munich. The Halle. Yeah. And like, I forget what year, but I don't know. And 89. The, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of rap crews that were back then, like early nineties, late eighties, they were still rapping in English and then started German, but it's like a, it's like a special vibe to the city of like, I guess like more like smart, smarter lyrics, I guess. And like a sense of community, um, which I really like. And I feel like even now with this generation, it kind of caught that same vibe as like all those older crews that started started it and there's like a lot of places to perform and and do it it's all right it's a pretty expensive and fancy city so there's there's not a lot of like space for underground music but there are always some good venues and so we get to perform quite a lot i'm gonna i'm gonna say like this to draw a comparison to portland like there's kind of a cap in portland where you can go to musically before you have to go somewhere like new york or la to like kind of really blossom your professional career as an artist or whatever right i feel like munich's a lot like that because a lot of people would just move to berlin They're like if i right. want to be a successful musician i'm going to move to a bigger marketplace right there's not that much of a market but in turn because of that because a lot of people get siphoned off to berlin it makes the music scene in munich a lot more like strong and uh, niche you know and there's like that smaller community that's really developed out, you know, I, I think that's really dope. And I'm, I feel really grateful to meet all the Selanui kids, you know, and, and Leo's crew because they're like these crazy anarchist, young punk rapper kids that are like throwing raves under bridges and shit. And like, they are the alternative culture. They are the alternative scene because there is such like a fancy bourgeoisie, uh, sense of Munich that there is like a really strong, like devout, small, like niche cultures there. Yeah. So when you went back to Munich, did, were you just focusing on rapping then you weren't making like many beats? No, I, I think I made my last beat in 2014. I just okay. recently made another one and it was a lot of fun. So I might want to get back into that. But I, I just decided like the beat making, it takes me too long. And I'm, I'm, I, I felt better writing and, and rapping. And yeah. yeah. What do you feel like, uh, helped develop your, your style of rapping and your delivery and, and just kind of like honing your craft? Well, I think I, I just listened to a lot of different stuff, just soaking it all in all these different styles. And then I think what really helped me like be more confident with my lyrics was just kind of growing up and learning some things and like having something to talk about. Yeah. That was kind of the problem when I started out when I was younger. I was like, oh, I'm just copying battle rap and like it's yeah. not me at all. Like this doesn't seem to be right. But then 
like I'm 37 now, I feel confident and I feel like every verse I write, I feel pretty good about it and I can present it to an audience. And that really helped me to then work on the technical side of it as well. You know, like when, when I know like my content is right and I'm, you know, mainly trying to have like positive messages, make sure it's like, you know, inclus inclusive of everyone and yeah. not like dumb battle lines. Then so when you said, when you felt like you uh, really had something to say yeah, and the framework for that, that's when you started feeling really good about like your, your skills and your style. Cause you just like doing it with more conviction. Maybe? Right. 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 And I think a big part was starting to rap with this crew of mine uh, that's called Selanui because there's Form formerly known as all the people ATP. Right. It was called ATP crew. Um, we changed our name the beginning of the year. Um, but the whole like red thread of, of the music and everyone writing is kind of like a sense of community and yeah. like we're not like these people that are untouchable because we're on stage. We want to inspire people to also have a creative expression. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea behind every song. And then that that to me, like I can write about that all the time, <laughs> like just in being like not 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 being an inspiration but inspiring people to do their own stuff if it's rap or whatever it is for sure just kind of have fun you with know, it you know going hard on the knitting game or something like that <laughs> <laughs> I wanna Lee, are you doing some knitting <laughs> no but i <laughs> i need scarves so. i think it's like really cool though when you find like that collective of people right. to be around constantly to kind of lift you up maybe when you're not necessarily feeling inspired cuz it's like it's hard to not be inspired when you're around a bunch of people making right. a bunch of cool shit and yeah. maybe like relieves you of some of the pressure that you have to do it all on your own. Right. I want to say they, uh, Dan, Dan, I think that's really interesting. Cause like living a creative lifestyle is like so hard in this society because like people don't realize that they live like a normal nine to five that like, you have to be creative and inspired, you know, to create your art and then to sell right. that product. And you have to like really sell yourself as a product and stuff like that. And that's demeaning in some ways, but like, where do you get those sources of, of, of inspiration and creativity? Cause some days you're like, fuck, I don't want to do anything today. But then you're like, I need to make a painting to, to eat or something like yeah. that. You know? Well, it's like the thing of like, you know, there's those, those nights where I know I want to go to a show, but then it's like an hour or two before and I'm, I'm feeling a little tired, mm -hmm. feeling like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I don't want to go to this. You know, maybe I just want to be so much easier to mm -hmm. just stay home. And then you show up to the thing mm -hmm. and you, you feel, you know, maybe that inspiration or, or I, I feel like I always walk away from those types of situations where I thought about not going and then I do go. And then I'm like, I can't believe I almost yeah, didn't right. go to that. Like, yeah. I can't believe... Yeah. I would have missed that thing that like definitely like mm. filled me up. But like the nine to five thing is like, I, you know, when I was like still doing that grind, I did, I, w I would be so, I would have so many ideas in my head throughout the day while I'm like at this day job. And then by the time I got home, like too exhausted to right. put these ideas to right. paper or whatever I needed to do to like execute mm. it. So like, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's rough. And sometimes. also, I mean, I, I want to say like, uh, I'm going to use something my homie Aaron Ross taught me, who's like a, a kind of like late night talk show host guy. And do you know Former Aaron Ross? guest of the podcast, you know, back in the day. Yeah, he's, he's one of my, he's that's, my, old, that's, old, my oldest friend. I've known him since I was one, apparently. That's the first time I ever met you was at Who's the Ross when I was a guest. Yo, shout out to Who's the Ross, man. He <laughs> actually came out to the gig last night. I drove up from LA to come to the gig. Damn, I missed it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'm going to go see him at Sinferno on Sunday. Okay. But, um, 
you know, it's, it's really interesting to talk to him from a different side of entertainment and performance because he is like a host comedian and I do the music thing or like art DJing or whatever. And we talk about parallels in the industry that are very similar. There's like not that much difference, you know, and you know, uh, emotion and creativity can't always be good. You have to use the negatives. Cause I mean, how many great jazz, uh, you know, albums and paintings have been made in like the slums of heroin addicts or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we were talking about a life situation. He just said to me, he's like, yeah, you got to use it use that material. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that, you know, even when you're feeling down or whatever, you can use that for some kind of inspiration of adding to your shtick. Yeah. Would. But do you find it easier when you have a bunch of creative people around you to like, uh, sure. Make I mean, shit, I mean the whole thirsty city community, I'm super grateful for all the creatives in Portland. That's why I'm like so grateful for the night I've been throwing for over nine, nine years now. Is it like, it's just a lot of like-minded people. And I've said it before. It's like, I like that the people that come out to the gigs, like last night, we got the podcasters, we got the dancers, we got the, the artists, the rappers, the producers, and I way rather do that and not be focused on a monetary gain than like throwing the most fancy, like Instagram shareable hot girl Summerfest or whatever. Yeah. You know? There's different kind of pressures that come with that too. I feel like when you feel like you, everything's got to hit yeah. to like but continue the success. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just, you know, when you put your heart into it, you know that you can't fail because you give it all you can, you know, it's not a based on some false premise of like a monetary investment. And you're like, okay, well, if this party doesn't pop, then we're just going to throw another one at some other pool party or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like goes back to, you know, what you're talking about with that authenticity of like finding those real things to talk about within yourself. It's like, Mm -hmm. once you're doing that, like you, you can't really go wrong. Right. Well, exactly. Then that's somehow your purpose. You know, you found your purpose really. Yeah. You always, uh, use, you know, your writing as like your way to kind of like process the world around you, you know? Right. Right. And I mean, like a lot of the stuff we're trying to like establish a position outside of the mainstream rap, like the way it's seen as like this bravado. Yeah. Very like sexist male dominated. And like we actually got our hair bleached and we were going to get <laughs> pink onesies uh, to, you know, reference the Barbie and, you know, just do something funny. <laughs> but uh we couldn't find a good onesie. They actually looked like trash. At <laughs> so we, we went for Dickie's outfits instead with matching chucks. <laughs> but it's like the best way, like instead of just writing tracks about like how the scene sucks, it's the best way to just be a part of it and like be that change you want to see. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Have you always felt like pretty comfortable in the, the performance space of all of this? Oh, not at all. Like I'm (laughs) super, super introverted. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I got into it so late. I I don't know. I always thought like, oh, I want to DJ, want to make beats. Like I I don't have to then present myself, but I figured, okay, well somehow this is like the rapping is, (laughs) it it was almost like a self therapy, like to be on Mm -hmm. stage. Cause I really didn't like to speak in front of a, a group of people. I still don't like I'm that's why I'm so bad at in between the tracks to communicate with the crowd because it's like wow there's like a bunch of people standing there like what am I <laughs> what am I going <laughs> to say so I'm not like I, I see myself as like I'm not the master of ceremony type of guy I will really like pay attention to the lyrics I write and that's I think I want to like 
have just really good verses so i don't need to speak afterwards yeah to just let, let the art show exactly yeah yeah for sure i don't think it's always necessary to be speaking in between no. every song sometimes i i just enjoy a set that's like so fluid that there are no breaks for anybody to really say anything right you right. Know? right but i gotta say last night we were talking about emceeing so i emceed the show last night which i usually do for the thirsty city right evenings and like how that is there is like an art form to that and it's absolutely right. and you're so fucking good at it like you, uh, so I, I think like the the last thirsty city prior to this one that i went mm -hmm. to was the the 10 year in nine year the yeah. nine year rather and uh that was like really the first time i got to see you in that mode right and i, I yeah. think there's like i was t telling this to leo last night because i've been to like you know i do a lot of the beat stuff and i've been to so many like lo-fi beat things where people get crazy stones and just like hover over their 404 yeah and they don't say anything they just like leave they don't introduce themselves or like make any connection mm -hmm. with the crowd they like expect people to know who they are it's not like hey my name's this thank y'all for coming out it's that simple you know but yeah. sometimes people are just like okay i'm gonna push the buttons and i'm, I'm gone <laughs> or even not on the mic i feel like you're you're just like pretty great about like trying to push people to like break that barrier to like get really close to the the performers just, and stuff you're I like constantly I, I walking around the, the room absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. and that's where i needed to be because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all takes that one person to break that that ice and then then it makes it more comfortable for everybody it's also like what i really love about the good foot is there is no separation between mm -hmm. like stage and performance really mm -hmm. if you treat it that way you know because right it's like all the same level Fotos im Fundus zum Entwickeln zu busy Um belichtete Schritte unter belichtete Sprüche Die Freiheit fühlen, wo man unterm Kissen Von Optionen zerdrückt sein, den Tunnelblick vermissen Von Powerloops geritten spring ich wild durch die Kapitel Und schreib Bücher darüber, wie die Pinselstriche sitzen Bei der eigenen Auktion sitze ich heimlich hinten Treib die Preise auf die Spitze Mein Motto, keep it simple Geier kreisen übers Viertel Ne geisteskranke Hitze Im Gedanken ganz bei dir und am heilsamen Grinsen Meilensteine rocken, sanft in Weisheit versenken Gehen eine Meile in mein Socken und dein Urteil wird recht milde Ich meine es ja nur gut, seht das all in der Pupille Wundersame Bilder sehen mich nur nach Halt in dieser Türe Tunnel vision, I walk the talk. If you can listen, people stop my person like the vultures circling. See you that they said on a sick one since I've been out of bed. I'll rest after my death. Kept it hundred proof with my power loops. I'll make moves with my goons through these dunes, puffing on some fumes through the hourglass of time. Let me speak my mind, living unrefined and never won't rewind. Underexposed, my shutter is closed, underdeveloped. Under your nose is where I've grown. Stylus is epic, Olympus prophetic and unapologetic. The best so I've been getting Leo crazy high since he got off the plane. <laughs> like, because weed's really illegal in Munich. So, like, he showed up off the plane out of fat spliff in my hand. And, like, I'm like, hey, can I smoke this in your car? I'm like, yeah, man. He's, he's just been, I just gave him two big bags of weed right right away. And he's just been, like, perma-stone. I think, like, one day, like, I had some chores to do. And he ran around downtown and got, like, a Rice Krispie treat. And just got, like, comatose and, like, passed out on my All ground. All kinds of new ideas. He's like, oh, he's like, man, it's like my own private opium den. <laughs>
it's been a really nice two weeks here in Portland. Yeah. It's also funny to see like the cultural the cultural difference. Like we go to Plaid Pantry and it's like the, the workers like, all right, you guys are getting the munchies. And like I'm like, yeah, my friends, you know, just visiting. He's like, all right, there's a thing to do, man. Get stoned to get the munchies. Yeah, yeah right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Plaid Pantry is just the fucking the most cultural or, epicenter yeah. of Portland. O- Oregon, <laughs> such the most Oregon thing. Everybody, every time someone comes here, they're just like, what is this Plaid Pantry? <laughs> like, I love Plaid Pantry. Yeah, man. I was there right before. Nice. I got a drink they, over there. They always right have like the crazy this. deals. They're just like unheard of. You're like, how can you sell like five <laughs> bags of chips for five dollars? They're like about to expire in two days. Okay. Leo, are yeah. you, is so is it the is it like the cathartic and like the therapeutic nature of things with the performance and and making the music that like helps you fight against the introvert in you then? Oh, is that sure. what's like helping you push back against it? And do you feel like you're slowly like becoming more comfortable with it or is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. I've definitely like, um, when I started, it was terrible. Yeah. And now I've just kind of gotten used to it. And I feel like outside of a stage or a live setting, like I feel more comfortable being a, a, around a bigger group of people and speaking up. I mean, I'm still like more of a quiet person, but yeah. it's definitely helped me. Uh, in a big way. Yeah. I, I gotta say too, I mean, maybe it's a little bit personal, but I've known you a long time and I've seen you grow a lot in living in Munich the last couple of years. I've seen you grow tremendously. And I think also part of that was, uh, your psychological issues of like um, not drinking, right. You know, stopping drinking and like that from that, you've gained a, a crazy amount of confidence. So I'm right. really proud of you and seeing you on stage and seeing you grow is like amazing. Thanks so, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That must be like a, a big switch when you go from like, drinking to being sober and then having to perform yeah was there like a lot of anxiety around that right i mean like even before when i was drinking i wouldn't really drink before performances just to keep my like tongue functioning right and stuff (laughs) not have a dry mouth and all but like i usually once i was done performing i would drink a bunch and not have and you know it's like i think writing lyrics helped me to get to the point like reflecting like oh yeah this stuff is just not good for me but now i'm not gonna be like preaching <laughs> like don't drink but yeah. i will like have a, a few lines once in a while saying that it helped me to just just be more confident and more clear and know what i want yeah yeah for sure. Yeah, it was a big distraction <laughs> in my life. Yeah. yeah. I got also I got also preference the scenario and the environment too because I mean, I think America we drink a lot, but in Germany they drink like fucking fish. You know what I'm saying? Especially in Bavaria, like a tra- traditional breakfast in Bavaria is a big wheat beer, a pretzel and like a white sausage, you know what I'm saying? Like people wake up from when they and drink until they go to sleep in in Bavaria. So it's so much more like part of the culture there. Yeah. And I mean maybe like how cannabis is in, in, in Portland or something like that, you know, like people just wake and bake and just smoke yeah. all day long and no one gives a shit. But right. I feel like in, in, in Bavaria, you can just be drunk as hell in, in, in the streets and no one will care. They're like, Oh, you're just normal, <laughs> you know? Right. It's, it's something's not normal when you're not drinking. They're like, Oh, is something wrong? Like why, yeah. why are you not drinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it's even harder than here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make it like pretty, difficult to even get sober just like even that element of it well just that it's just everywhere wherever you go birthday party work event or what what whatnot it's just everywhere but um yeah i think it was it just need i needed to be clear that it's not good for me and then i'm not even like i'm not even tempted anymore for sure yeah yeah you feel like it's like changed your relationship with like 
art and kind of just everything? Oh, for sure. For sure. Cause I'm like way more focused and I know I'm not going to an event to drink. I'm going there to play a great set and then be like feeling good in the next day and then write another track and yeah. not just, Oh, this is just a distraction from my, from my life. Yeah. You know? All right. Take me back to like 2009 when you all met here in Portland. 2009. What brought you to Portland? All right. Oh Initially. Yeah. I'll, I will, I will tell the short story. Yes. Yeah. But can, can, can I say this makes it makes it more mysterious. It all started with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not getting it. Always it. does. Kip, Kip might have to add to that, but um, it's a friend of mine, uh, uh, Tom 2000, shout out to him. Tom at 2K. This point. Yeah. He was studying in Vancouver and, um, he met, um, friends of Kip in Portland. Taylor. What's up, Taylor? Right. And then I went to visit him in Vancouver and we did a little trip down to Portland. Okay. And uh, we were going to stay with somebody else, but then ended up with uh, Kip over here. And he, we hung out with him for a week. And uh, it was, like I said earlier, it was a really inspirational week. We did everything. We I had the studio in the basement of my parents' house. And here we are in another basement. I can't, you can't get me out of it. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, we were, we were making beats. Went to Leo's events. got Leo's got the basement studio in Munich too. That's right. That's right. That's why I'm so comfortable being Didn't in this basement <laughs> studio over here in Portland. Bingo. A work colleague of mine was wondering if I'm going to go whale watching here in Portland and <laughs> so I'll have to tell her I was in the studio. Is that a metaphor for smoking giant joints? <laughs> yes. Cause you did a lot of whale watching. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, just every day in the studio. No, it's not. Not every day, but for a couple hours. I just, I feel really comfortable in basement studios. Yeah. yeah so, so bringing back the story, Leo came out right. with uh, Thomas in 2009 and we made a bunch of music uh, at that time. Uh, Thomas was producing a lot more. Now he runs a, a techno label called Alternativa Factor. And I actually have a couple of records right over there and a night. So it's kind of like a techno uh, night and label that's kind of avant-garde from Munich. They're trying to do something different and he's really trying to push like uh, uh, Neue Deutsche Welle, like new German wave music kind okay. of. Um, as he described, I did an interview with him once for Kebu and, and for the movement show and uh, how's he, how he was trying to describe it. He was like really tired of, of like German music, just trying to replicate American music for success. And like, he knew that like post eighties, there was this kind of movement of electronic kind of post-punk stuff in Germany. He's trying to like kind of go after that and create that as a sidestep, um, to our conversation. But, um, so yeah, they came to visit in 2009 and made a bunch of music. And then Leo was getting married shortly after that in Minneapolis because his previous partner is from Minneapolis. And he goes, Hey, I don't really know too many people in America. Do you want to be a best man for my wedding? So I drove out to Minneapolis and was in his wedding. <laughs> right. And we filmed a music video. We filmed that music out <laughs> for the two tracks I was featured on for that album afterwards. Right. So you guys have just been keeping up with each other ever right. since that trip back since, in 09. Yeah. And since like, that trip. And then I think I went out to Germany a couple of times. We did a couple of small tours and gigs, played in some abandoned castles in Switzerland. <laughs> we have a lot of interesting very interesting stories uh, with the cross pollination between Portland and here. One time I met a guy in Olympia who was a skater from, uh, from Zurich. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to go out to Germany and I'm and past, I levied off, levied off uh, Leo's contact with him. And he lived in this squat in the middle of Zurich. That was freaking crazy. Had like a skate park in it and stuff. And Leo organized this giant, like weekend party. Yeah. <laughs> so insane. It was so funny how that came out of that connection. It just me, me and this yeah. guy skating. And it was just like, yeah. brought all these people from Munich, had this huge fucking two room party selling tons of beer. I think they made like four or 5,000 francs off of that night or something. It was yeah. crazy. It was, and we, we went there the year after we went there again with like an all Munich lineup and it was, it was, 
amazing. We played these two sets based on that Portland just Zurich who, connection. Just because I met Boris over amazing. skating. You know, shout yeah. out to skateboarding, by the way. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, to backtrack a little bit more though, but yeah, so then I, I've gone out to Munich a bunch of times and, you know, grown a lot with with these artists, with Veltunter Gang, with, with Leo's crew and Leo's come out here a couple of times and it was actually really interesting. He came out in 2013, I think. 13, yeah. And we did a show at the Ash Street Saloon okay. and the dude, I realized last night, the guy that was doing the sound last night did the sound for that show. No way. I asked him, I'm like, at the end of the night, I'm like, you did, did you used to work at the Ash Street? He's like, yeah. I'm like, me and this dude did a show there in 2013. I'm pretty sure you did. He's like, yep, I definitely did it. That's Amazing. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> He's still in the game. And then what was it, 2015 y'all came over? Or? Yeah, 2015. So Leo came out to Portland in 2015 with uh, D2, Grassim, uh, Sam Zamadi. Zamadi and Tom 2K. And Tom 2K. And I booked a little Northwest tour. And that was like the really crazy two weeks of all of our lives. <laughs> and we did uh, Portland, Olympia, Seattle, Bellingham. And then we went up to Vancouver and randomly did a show. And um, that was crazy as shit. It was a really, and we have tattoos right here. <laughs> we have matching bro tats of, of some uh, Hunter S. Thompson uh, covers yeah. from one night or one day. <laughs> Love a but, tour tattoo. Tour tattoo, yeah. <laughs> but also a funny, funny story about that in 2015. I think that those two weeks were so inspirational. A friend of mine that also came along, like when we came back, we were like, all right, we're going to start a beat label. And we started like a music label and brought out instrumental hip hop music and rap stuff on, on vinyl and tape. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was... Yeah, they were smoking a joint in, <laughs> in my parents' yard and they're like, we should start... I think you guys are throwing boom clack already. You're already doing the boom clack? They did the, the, the parties. They're doing the and parties and they're like, we should turn it into a label. And that's when they're smoking a joint. And, and also for people who don't know, I was actually, I think, in one of those trips in 2003. Uh, uh, whatever it was, maybe 14 or something or somewhere around then. Uh, well, I guess it's nine years ago now. I was starting to do my monthly, I wanted to do a monthly night at the no and I got the okay from them. I didn't have a name and I was over in Munich and I was like, man, you guys drink a lot of fucking beer here in Munich. And Leo goes, well, we're a very thirsty city. And I'm like, Ooh, I like that. I'm going to use it. <laughs> you telling me that. Yeah. So, yeah. So it seems like we're both inspiring each other. It's we've also done, uh, Leo's homies and myself. We've done like three different projects between more uh, Portland and Munich. Right. There's like three different Portland and Munich, uh, compilations we put together. Right. Where it's beat makers from Portland and Munich. Yeah. And then, yeah, we've done three of them. Yeah. So you guys have just been bridging that gap. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Germany and the Pacific Northwest. Trying to, but I don't think that it really works too well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works well enough where at least you have some people you can hit up to put together shows around here. Sure. And I mean, also, you know, Dusty and Meltzer came over and they loved it. They got yeah. to see it. And they're yeah. like, I think that really inspired them. Like, they said that was some of the best shows they've ever played. Right. And like Meltzer was like, I can totally see why you want to live over here. This is amazing. There's so much more support for art in, in a lot of ways over there. And like, I think that was one thing that was interesting living in Germany, even though it is a capitalistic society, it made me very self-reflective of how like capitalistic I am, like internally growing up in this environment, you know, and how Americans act differently compared to other places. Cause I feel like Germany in particular is a little bit more like socialist leaning because you have a lot more of a, a net and a structure that takes care of you. You know, you got the healthcare, right. you got all these things. Once you're, once you're in the system, you're like not going to, yeah, like if wrong. you lose your job, even right. they still like take care of you, right? right? right. There's like systems and in place for like things I said, like that. There's money f for the artists from the government and stuff like that. Well, I think in America, you're always like on the grind. 
and I would be over there on like a Sunday and everything would be closed. I'm like, why is everything fucking closed? Take my money. I need to <laughs> yeah. buy something. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an American. Like, well, fuck. even just like, I don't know, growing up so close to Canada, like I always hear about Canadian artists getting like all these grants mm-hmm. are accessible for them to, you know, make music or make Did, did you grow up in like Bellingham or something? Or? No, no, I just, I just, don't know. I've met a fair share of like. Yeah. Canadians that would talk about that yeah, or, or just bands that would come down to the States and like make records and they were on grants from the you, government to do it. You know, uh, I think Josh Martinez did that who lived in Portland for a long time, who was a rapper. I think he's from BC and he got paid by the government to come down here and just rap. And yeah. I'm like, wow, sick. <laughs> Good living. That's cool. Shout out to Canada. Canadians are the nicest. So how much music did you guys, uh, record before you started making the crow breath record quite a bit? Well, we, we worked on a couple tracks, but we never really, we were always talking about doing a project together, but it it didn't really work until we actually lived in the same city. Yeah. That's when we're able to connect and see like, well, what do, what do we want to do and what style We had the infrastructure be? too. We had the studio. And right. Like, I think this project means a lot to me too, because it, it like, it exemplifies that my experience encapsulates like what I went through over there. And also like each song, like, I was talking to Manu about L1 about this, how like I remember where I sampled shit. Like I literally found some like records in the street and sampled it and it ended up on, on the album, you know, or the Complaino song is like a CD I was listening to in, in Leo's kitchen while I was cooking. And I'm like, yo, this is a fire piano line. He's like, oh, my neighbor actually is the manager of this Italian pianist who gave me the CD. So I'm like, I'm going to chop this up. Yeah. Well, that's probably dry snitching right there. But you know, <laughs> it's an example of, you know, like how like all these different samples kind of mean something because you have different stories beyond just like, oh, I just found this loop on, on YouTube or yeah. whatever. And um, yeah, to answer your question a little bit more, we did, we'd done some tracks together and I'm also like kind of uh, prior to living in Germany, never really thought of myself as a rapper. I kind of stepped away from that to get more into, I think I said in your previous uh, podcast. And so I think living over there, people really liked it. And I felt more comfortable with just being a rapper over there because I was around so much of that creative energy and there wasn't as much judgment. So um, yeah, and then a bunch of the, the, the click, you know, Cela Nui invited me to be on tracks. They were doing these things every like couple weeks called uh, Midnight Snacks. Midnight Snacks, where we just yeah. like one night write the fucking verse, post it on, on SoundCloud that night, you know? For sure. So I got on a bunch of those and um, like a, we did a track with D2 on his album and I think probably some other ones. I did some for, for Freaky Freddy and the Pack Rich album. Right. So I have a couple, I have a lot of features randomly from living over there. And then, uh, yeah, so like the longer extent of making this project, Leo and I, because we shared the same studio, he's gracious enough to let me into the studio, which apparently uh, uh, Freddie Mercury went to once or twice in the 80s. Right. Uh, it's, got, it's got some lore. Um but we actually sat down and we're like, how do you want to approach this project? And we were talking about this the other day. I thought it was really cool. I was like, yo, we want to do something that's like not typically one genre, but melds different genres and have a lot of features to showcase like the international aspect of it, how we are like the German and the English mm-hmm. component. And I think we actually did that. It was cool. We like had this meeting, like we should do it like this. I got this wild style beat that goes into a, a drum and bass break at the end. Like, cool. Let's keep that. Let's do this other one. Sound more boom bappy, more glitchy or et cetera. Yeah. Right, I really, I really liked on uh, with Northern Draws production was that it's, it's such a big variety of styles, and I thought it would be fun to kind of combine that in that album and make like have the listeners have these like unexpected like changes and it's like I think like the perfect like tape to listen to to listen through because there's a yeah. bunch of interludes mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. little things that just tell more of a story than just like just these tracks and the yeah. cassette has some extra hidden gems on it I like to do that people don't know I usually put like hidden songs on cassettes and stuff that's not in the digital world that's one of the things that like I appreciate about the record is that they're 
there are so many like dynamics on it like there's so many shifts you know and like listening to some like record front to back it makes it like pretty exciting because you don't really know what's going to come next and like i love the instrumental breaks on there and or there's like some tracks where it's just you or just like like just you or mm-hmm. like you got all the different features on there mm-hmm. like kenneth was at the the show last night you said that was, was that the first track that kind of started the record right. is that what you said last night yeah, yeah. so uh yeah shout out, to, uh, shout out to kenneth masters who drove up from oakland to come to the release party last night and uh we're actually doing a side project and i'm like Yo, if you come up we should showcase some of these previews that we got so we did like an intermission where he did three songs which is dope and he had it all on point and it was cool and this is what i was going to say is that um you know i think munich in particular they listen to a lot of bass music a lot of like kind of drum and bass and, and dubstep and stuff like that but also uh they're really into boom bap stuff. So when I was like making sketches and throwing it towards Leo, I already knew that they really wanted a certain kind of sound and they're very picky with kind of more boom bappy things. And I make, I generally make a lot more kind of eccentric and, and weirder stuff, you know? So I made, I like during the pandemic, I made like hundreds and hundreds of beats and I was like throwing them to Leo and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, no, trust me, this one, this one's gonna be dope. It's gonna be dope. Trust me. He's like, I don't know. but then like a lot, so I ended up with a whole bunch of prod, uh, extra ske- sketches. And then I started throwing those to Kenneth because Kenneth was featured on one of the tracks with Stanley Ipkiss, which was made freaking like six years ago or something. And Kenneth was like, yo, this is dope. We should do something together. And out of the result, he took a lot of the more the kind of weird wild style beats and ran with it and is doing not as much of a traditional structured songs and like a little bit different. So I'm, it's, it, it matches really well. So that's another project that's going to come out next for both of us. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that too. For sure. Do you remember much about that, uh, that track with Kenneth coming together and like why Certainly. that like kind of like sparked maybe like this record? It being like um, the first song, the the Vicky Metals. Vicky Metals. I gotta give credit to Vicky Metals was named by Joe Mousepad, JM, or and Stanley Ipkiss. Stanley Ipkiss was up here playing Thirsty City. I flew him up to play Thirsty City, and I think maybe Joey too. Maybe Joey was in town. He wanted to record a verse somewhere for my friend Ronamu's album on Liquid Beat, which is out now. The album's called Petrichor. It's a wonderful album. It's a song, uh, Stanley Ipkiss and Blossom. And I told Matt Nelpkin, who's the guy that runs Liquid Beat, he can jump into my studio to cut some costs and, you know, recorded it right here before there was a booth there. And I was like, okay, Stanley, you're, you're, in, the, you're in my studio to pay me for using my studio. You got to get on a verse. So I made a beat right there and then he hopped on it at the moment. And I think Joe Mousepad made a couple little bleeps and bloops in the drums. And uh, yeah, so then I had that and I... I gave it to Leo, and I think I made another section for Kenneth to get in there. I was like, and I shopped it to him, like, hey, do you want to get on this verse? And he's like, yeah, this sounds dope. Melted while I was not Vicky, Vicky, please don't evict me. Vicky Meadows, nah. Vicky, Vicky, please don't evict me. Vicky Meadows, uh. Watching raids on that avenue. Niggas dick riding, catching waves for some revenue. Invested in my blessing, notching sins in my pedigree. Purgatory tell, but I be smoking on a heavenly. Spot illuminated, only fans gotta pay to flirt. Squares chasing clout, trying to make it to that circle jerk. Introverted extrovert, street skating, suck it vert. Often in the zone, on my phone, viewing life through smirks. Smartly, oddly, never hit the pop burst. Beast and Madden, known to pen a hot burst. Never hit a chat, texting with the line first. But I be in her mentions, watching niggas die your thirst. 
on mom, that's facts. Playing switch online, we'll frame all gas. If they say the N-word and not black get slapped, hold it down for the culture. And that's just that's black. Vicky, Vicky, please don't evict me. What was it like compiling like this uh, this collection of tunes since it's like been made over such like a long period of time uh-huh. and you know just kind of sequencing the thing to like make it make sense and since it is yeah, such a, a broad sort of, amount yeah. of time so uh, I think also the process and the equipment was really interesting because I like before I moved to Europe I stripped down stuff and I'm like really minimalist I sold like a lot of my gear to fund myself to go over and live abroad and um pretty much just had a laptop, a 404 and a portable turntable. So a lot of the process was sampling from different like crazy records, like, you know, weird USSR, like jazz breaks or something, you know, I'd find in Leipzig or something like that. I don't know. I think I did that, but, um, and a compilation of just all kinds of different sounds. But I mean, like I said, a lot of it was made in like these really strange living situations I had in Munich where I'd move every three to six months. Cause I, I was living very temporarily being, being foreign and not have like signing leases and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it turned out really cool. And I, I got to say once again, that L1 is the man and he mastered it and mixed it. And if without him, it would sound way worse. He even like added little extra punches and things here and there and like helped me with arrangement. And like, he is just, he's the man. So yeah, you guys mentioned L1 quite a bit last <laughs> night. What is so yeah. special about this dude and his production? No man, he's the abbot. Yeah, he's the he's the melter of Munich. Maybe <laughs> I'd say more because he raps. Right, he raps and he too. Scratches. He scratches pretty dope too. He raps on our album. He's featured on the album as well. Yeah, which track is it? It's the Crew Jam. Okay. Yeah, Musica Musanga. Yeah, he comes right after me. I think. Keine Phase meines Lebens, spür den Pfad mit in den Haaren Ein paar Jahre später sind wir ein paar Tage älter Wahre Worte reifen mit der Zeit und kriegen Patina wie Straßenschilder Ich schreib Parts im Keller, weil der Loop mich in die Tiefe zieht Auf diesem Beat von Northern Draw, ein Liebesbrief vom Krisenteam When I walk in, everybody talking Got more than a portion of sauce and Henny for the boring Awkward voice of course not So what were like the creative dynamics between the two of you in, in putting this record together? You like collectively kind of like you know scoping out kip's beats here and just like figuring out what you felt like you would be inspired to to rap on or like how would that work between the two of you well we would just hang out and he was making a lot of beats at the time and i i would there was always like one that inspired me to write and then i think it was cool that i think we wrote a lot of the stuff together as well but um yeah, it was pretty much just us hanging out and being in that same space that finally like broke the barrier that we could just collect track after track. Yeah, in yeah. that basement studio. Spent right. a lot of time in that basement studio. We really did, yeah. <laughs> just kind of a thing like if you two are together, you're going to make some shit. Right. Yeah. And there were always there were always some breaks, you know, like a couple yeah. months where we didn't work on it at all or, or we, we couldn't send, send each out other the, because no one could see each other. Right. It was COVID. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 The pandemic in, in, in Munich was crazy. Like it was way more strict lockdown than here. Like you get a fine if you went outside. I heard a story about a woman that went downstairs after curfew at 930 to go get a pizza and she was fined 300 euros. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, we sent like, because a lot of the tracks were also, we kind of knew, okay, we wanted some features on there. So we would send them out or wait for features. And <laughs> it was yeah. a little frustrating too at times. I think uh, Kip said at least five times that he doesn't want to finish the album and he's done yes. with it. <laughs> I think right before I moved to Munich, I'm like, fuck this album. I don't want to release this. I want someone to find this on some random cassette 20 years <laughs> online and think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> Self-righteous. Um, you know, uh, but I mean, also I got to say that there's, a, I mean, uh, my apologies. There were like, you know, how's any project goes, there was probably some people that weren't referenced. We definitely threw away some verses and some scratches, you know, and no offense to anyone. We just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. So there was even a, uh, my homie, um, Bulsi, who was a, gave us a French verse for a song. And, uh, he's a really well-known artist in France and just, we, it just didn't work with the songs. He so. just, he just never sent a translation. We didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I stepped in there instead and I'm like, all right. Yeah. Right. And that was a good thing then that wasn't planned at all. And I thought it was cool that he did a lot of the verses as well. So he would rap a lot and, yeah. and yeah. make all, make all the beats. Yeah. That did was some cuts and stuff too. I'm curious, especially with like uh, a project like this. And I mean, Leo, you, you do tons of tracks where there's more than one rapper mm -hmm. on, a, on a particular track. Is there a preference for either of you, whether you go first or second on a track? Like, would you rather hear someone's verse before you get on a track? Or would you rather dictate the pace and be the first person on the track. What I've what I've seen is I I'm, I have a lot of projects going at the same time, and like I I can like some dynamics will be like that International Waters album for example. I I think shout I, out to Strange Neighbor. Right, shout out to Strange Neighbor and Rework Records. Um, I I think I wrote all the first verses and kind of I I I I like that. Not not that I needed to dictate what the track is about but it's just like i was so motivated to write and it seemed in that dynamic that he was happy to follow up but then in other projects i will have other people that will kind of lead the way and uh, like that what's that one track where, where, in, on iwz where you guys keep on going back and forth and it's like a verbal wrestling match or something oh my god yeah it took months <laughs> Watching to that write process, that i was, was so, so sick of the i was so sick every, of the beat every I, time i would come to the studio there'd be a new like eight bars or something then you'd send it back and then like a couple days later it'd be another eight bars i'm like damn you guys are just keep on going i just couldn't listen to that beat anymore <laughs> that was that was cool to watch that develop too that the and um you know, I met a bunch of those people at a different album release party and that's what brought me to London. I think for one of the first times to do shows was, a uh, Leo had me play a beat set in one room and then I DJed in the side room for, um, the album he did compass with, with, uh, with L1. But I mean, to go back, maybe I, 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 I think I enjoy most to write with other people and then just kind of go back and forth and kind of, I, I don't really have that many solo tracks actually. Yeah. I, I used to do that a lot more, but now that we have that studio, some of them, some right, right. I, I really used to play solo most of the time Yeah. and now I'm just really enjoying that. I've found like the right people that I, that the creative process works really well with and that I like to perform with. Yeah. I yeah. think also like, you know, tracks aren't just like, so you know, you, they're malleable. You can change them around. I think a lot of the, the songs on this album, it's just like, like I said, Bolsi gave us a 16 for the song and it didn't work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to add another 16 here. I'm going to come in after your, your verse or, you know, or something like that. Or it doesn't have to be the typical eight bar hook, 16 verse, eight bar hook, eight, you know, you know, whatever it can be uh, changed around a little bit. 
But Leo and I have been talking about how we want to get finger tats of 8, 16, 8, 16 on. So that's the perfect structure of a song. So 8 bars, 16, 8 bars, 16 bars. Well, we were always joking around how we always write 16s. That the I, I do also, I got to say, I have a finger tat right here for when I baptized your child in, in the Iza River. You let this guy baptize your child? Yes. I'm, yes. I'm the godfather of his child. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did the Portland hippie baptism in, in the, the Iza in the, the, the spiritual the river, the river that runs through the city. And then my friend like, came out and said, like, do you want a, finger, a, a stick and poke tattoo on your finger? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I go, that's my baptism tattoo right there. <laughs> say you guys like creatively like why do you feed off each other like what are the dynamics you appreciate maybe in one another and in, in making music together i think it's the funk the all hail the funk baby all <laughs> hail the funk yeah baby that's right <laughs> yeah <Bingo. laughs> no i mean I, I, it's more than that but i mean that is definitely something that yeah. connects us in the, a way the funk really did bring us together man yeah just yeah. a love of funk music fuck yeah yeah, the fur the funk permeates everything. If you did not know, just like this bass line is going to permeate our <laughs> our podcast. Well, it's a good background. thing we're getting towards the end here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I think probably just the yeah love for the music, right? And we're on the spiritual artistic journey together, and we've just known each other and like kept on pushing and growing it. So it's been uh, amazing to watch Leo transform musically to to be a part of his scene and him to be part of ours. You know, like Meltzer just did like a crazy remix, like two or three remixes for you, right? Yeah, yeah, he you did. You sound banging, you it's know? It's amazing. So, yeah. uh, and also Veltunto Gang, I've seen all of them grow and like finally released a project after them working on music for so long and me seeing them do shows, being parts of their shows, you know, and going between the States and, and Germany and seeing their development and, um, you know, it's it's been a really special experience. So I think that's just more than just some random, hey, I like your style, let's do it. But we've been growing as humans together. Right. Yeah, you guys have put in the effort to keep up with each other for... Yeah, know, like I said, I'm almost I'm, 20. It feels the, like 15 years. Yeah, I'm the probably, God, right? godfather of his child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Ollie, actually the third member of Crow Breath, right. the one who donned the name Crow Breath. Yeah, I think just one last thing there. Uh, I, definitely the friendship is in the forefront. And yeah. we just, I mean, it's just so interesting to see like all of a sudden he makes this juke project. And like gets me listening to Juke and like I, yeah. also you I made I made a so while I was living in Germany I released a, a, a footwork project out of a Seattle based label called Fallen Fruit, which is also taken from Leo's uh, inspiration Lyrics. because yeah. he said something about felt obst, which means like fallen fruit in in, in German, and uh, I thought that was a really cool name. I wasn't gonna call it felt fruit, which but I thought that was kind of too creepy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> felt fruit. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys are constantly just putting each other on to stuff and like music and yeah yeah i think so yeah 
just loving the experience of any sort of if it's like a UK bass night or somebody DJing funk music or a rap concert. I mean, what was it's that? Was that 15, 2015 Leo came out here and found out about like Omega Supreme and Mo Funk and I all this like West Coast funk stuff and he was like freaked out about it and I'm like, yeah, it's the shit. I know. I love, <laughs> I love, I love funk music. Yeah, you know? that was 2013 that came <laughs> over and we, I, I forget what the first album was, but it was Omega Supreme records. I got a couple of them mm -hmm. and just Mo Funk and all that. And I really loved it. I, f I fell in love with it. <laughs> and really, that's all like vinyl wise. That's all I'm collecting. I mean, it's hip hop music it, and modern funk. If you think about it, it makes sense. Because we're like such uh, uh, aficionados of hip hop and like funk was like the the thing that came before hip-hop and inspired so much of, of hip-hop you know like they, so they were sampling a lot of that stuff for for their tracks you know and like it's kind of a growth out of that yeah so. when was the most recent track on crow breath made i know you said like six years ago was uh the vicky track like i don't know the complainer one or something yeah i, I think we finished the complainer last i think so the, yeah the, la the last track with lana shea on it uh, is probably the one which also has ollie on it on that right, right. But how long ago was that? That they maybe you finished that? I finished the project a year ago. Okay. And I was just kind of sitting in the vault waiting to be uh, mastered by L1. I had to poke him a bunch to get the masters. And we also, as as you know, a preview for the future, we're also going to do a remix album. We're organizing the remix album. We're going to have probably a remix seven inch. Ayatollah is going to do a remix for us for maybe our single Night Dreams. Hopefully, that's the idea. And also, I'm going to do an instrumental cassette with the gentleman that's on night dreams who plays, uh, the, the horn, uh, Marek Stibor. Uh, I'm reached out to him and I'm, this is what potentially is going to happen is, uh, the Dr. Octagon instrumental album is featuring a flautist through the album, which is really cool. I always thought that was rad how it's like the, the Dr. Octagon beats, but there's a random person playing flute over it. So I reached out to Marek Stibor. I'm like, would you be down to do this instrumental album and just throw on some horn throughout oh, the yeah. thing? He's like totally down. And I love Dr. Octagon. That's dope. That's <laughs> such a cool, like ode to that. Yeah. Just in a completely different way. Yeah. I love it. I love that album. It's such an amazing album. So do you feel like there's like, some through lines in crow breath as far as like maybe overlying uh, themes when you make a record that is made in such you know different time span and you know with all these different features do you do you see any uh commonality between the tracks and like why uh, they why they belong together i think it like goes exactly what i think that's why reflecting on it was so interesting how we like literally did have a meeting and sat down like what was our our mission statement and goal of like what we wanted to create and we like stayed true to that we're like we wanted something very eclectic that showcased our realities of what we're living in and uh, being very like international around multiple languages and different cultures you know so we really wanted to push that it could have been more always but you know could have would have uh but i think it really did encapsulate having like this German American and like these different kind of vibes and scenes to, to all of it. So yeah, I think, uh, being eccentric and kind of like a little bit more, um, varied was kind of the end goal. And I think it showed. So, yeah, I remember when I started writing to this, uh, for this album, I always thought, okay, I want to do like something lighter, a little more abstract lyrics. And it, I, I don't know. Now looking at it, I think we cover a variety of, it's not really topics in the tracks, but different feelings and moods. And I think it gets like a lot more like melancholy and more quiet at the end of the album. And we've, it's, I think it got a lot of great moods like collected together. Yeah. Also give a little secret, the, the track with Yoni 
Distant Self was actually a Devin Who track that I remixed and he didn't want to be on the album. Shout out to Devin Who. Let <laughs> <laughs> it be known. <laughs> I stole your stems. What you know about it? So have you guys worked on much music since finishing up this project together? Um, not, not too much. Uh, this has been, this has been like a lot in the making. Also a lot of organizing for the show last night. I've, yeah. I've been putting in so much work. Like since Leo's gotten here, we've literally spent like hours in this studio, make like dusty printed shirts. And then I asked to watch some of them. I got yeah. the seven inches, the cassettes, the, the seven inches literally showed up the day of our, um, uh, of our like kind of in-store the tapes, my, the tapes. Yeah. And my brother brought them from his house to the in-store show <laughs> so nice. it's like perfect timing oh yeah yeah but we didn't really get into any new music yet but we kind of talked about like what what should we what should we do next and i think the plan for now is that we're gonna do some k-pop right yeah so we're telling everyone we, <laughs> both, we, we bleached our hair and then everyone had like all the stores and stuff we're like what's up with you guys like well we're starting a, a k-pop band he's german i'm american we're called razzmatazz funkatron <laughs> so Little boy um, band action yeah, and everyone's just like cool let's go let's let's do it I'm like, let's yeah. fucking let's send it Let, let's do it <laughs> right on man well kip thank you for uh you know putting me onto this project and reaching out about trying to jump on the mics and yo thanks for coming out to the show dan and thanks yeah. for doing what you do being a, a cultural liaison for the city <laughs> leo i think you're the first german to oh, cool. maybe be on the podcast which is cool like i've had the opportunity to you know talk with some people from from spain and chile and australia and and some other parts of the world but germany is not somebody somewhere where uh dan cable presents has uh you know gotten to to bridge that gap yet so. maybe this is the link you know shout out to munich by the way and shout out to all homies in munich that are listening yeah oh, and thanks for having us on here absolutely yeah, man yeah i'm excited to you know now i feel like if i ever make it through munich I'll, I'll know who to reach out to so i can actually like plug into the local scene there oh for sure you gotta cool. yeah you can yeah. you can you can stay with me we can go to some play at some shows yeah and, man take me to the yeah. record stores you know, oh, also yeah. the clubs are open until about like seven in the morning there in germany people people don't go God to the club damn. until two in the morning so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different uh, city I'll put all the links in the episode notes Thank so people can much. keep up with uh, the both of you. And Dan, remember, bingo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to play the episode out with Night Dreams Certainly. off the Crow Breath record. There's a seven inch of this available on the Thirsty City Bandcamp. Nice. Y'all remember anything about this particular track coming together? Uh, yeah, I totally do. Let's see. Uh, so I wrote the chorus on this and... Uh, Leo actually was kind of like, we were going to, I really wanted to do a seven inch and Leo was kind of being a naysayer. I was like, I don't know if we should do this. And I'm like, I listened to, the, uh, I was at work trimming some weed and I had no internet and I had, the only thing I had was this album and I listened to this album for 10 hours straight. <laughs> and I was like thinking of this song and it, uh, in my verse, I'm referencing how your life is kind of like a piece of wax that's like etched into the universal stack of, of history and stuff as we rotate around in circles. So I'm like, I need to make a record of this cause it's like, it's very symbolic yeah also the horn player on this is um part of the the b side of the seven inch is uh ufo juice with poly poly who's a really dope who's a really dope uh musicians out of leipzig one of my favorite instrumentals on the Thanks. on the record and they so yeah. that that was a really crazy process making that song we actually uh, but um they live in leipzig and they actually they're amazing musicians they have a 10 piece big band and so I went and watched them play the big band where like someone actually wrote all their like synthesizer music out to, to, to sheet notes and they have these people play horns over it. And I tapped one of the people there, Mark Stiebo. I'm like, Hey, I need someone to have a horn to finish out this, this track. And he's like, I got you. So that's where the horn outro comes from. Oh yeah. 
You remember anything about your verse on this? Nothing special about the verse, but I know that like from a music standpoint, I think that's what I was kind of going for. I thought maybe this album's going to go this direction. I think that's why it turned out to be the single because it has that like slow funk sample in it. And I really like the, the, the vibe of the track. I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of exposing, but not too much. It is just a slow down power loop. And the, the, I, the, I like the aspect of this song. It has this wind in the background that was actually part of the sample in the first place. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leo Lex, Northern Draw. Chill. Thanks for uh, chopping it up on the mics with me. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. All the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with uh, both these guys and uh, check out that Crow Breath record. I'll put the link for that. And, uh, you know, people can tap in with that 7-inch for, for this track that we're about to play the episode out with. Thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning in, by the way. We appreciate y'all and listen to Dan Cable's podcast all the time. <laughs> appreciate you. And we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. We definitely got to get the Leo Lex, it's a program. Yeah. Leo, this means absolutely nothing. It's just the way that my grandfather refers to, like, when he's talking about the news uh-huh. or like a TV show, he'll say program, but he always says program for some reason. So program. it means absolutely nothing. You're not saying anything like ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it's breath. just a, like a fun way to, to end each episode of the podcast. So should we lo- get Leo in on one since yeah, I did we, the, we I, got, yeah. we was, got the Northern draw one. So we need the Leo Lex. What is it? It's a program. You just did it. You did it. You don't even need, he needs no prompts. Bingo. Bingo. Got him. We're going to play it out with Night Dreams off the Crow Breath record. That's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Munich, wherever you're listening from. So much on my mind that I can't recline Blast holes in my phone until the blessed sunshine As past unfolds and black holes implode You're never too old just to be that stress can't flee Catch me in the streets bumping KMHD All power to my peace, keeping it unique Illusions mapped in front of our cataracts To distract the facts, can you see past the thrills and laughs? Living on a daydream, nothing's what it seems Young seeds and kings, all birds don't sing Some things might melt your wings on gleaming screens Fling them down to wax and etch them into tracks Skips and cracks, compact the slaps Scratch a needle back and keep the vibe intact Stay relaxed when you map your next lap Your past is an artifact that impacts the universal stack I daydream at night, trying to see past the light The blinds the insight, what's right, what's wrong What planet am I living on, all my thoughts too far and gone Leite verträumt ohne all den Ballast Durch die Stille der Nacht, die mich liebevoll umfasst Am Bund nur ein Schlüssel, der überall passt Ich behüte meinen Schatz, werd von der Süße nicht satt Ein paar Grüße verpasst und auf dem Nachttisch liegen gelassen Intuitiv am Tanzen, chill genügsam im Schatten Und beobachte Pflanzen beim Wachsen Während sie weiter in den Chatfenstern quatschen Werde niemals erwachsen Cool Kids forever Die Dichter und Denker im Moonwalk aus dem Gestern Die Feste gefeiert und jetzt in Ruhe was ändert Gefühle benennen, ich lerne mich gut genug kennen Überflute die Welt mit den smoothesten Klängen Die die Dunkelheit der hellen, wundersame Audiowellen Direkt von den Quellen in mir drin Der Zustand des Mint, die Nadel getragen vom Wind Hey, just wanna give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year membership with DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. Stay up, stay tuned.